0: Uh, I'm glad to, that you're with us this morning, and again, uh, welcome to you. The first time I lived in this area, I was in the Army, and I was uh, stationed at Fort Myer, which is now uh, joint base, uh, Henderson Hall, Fort Myer. And Fort Myer is a beautiful, beautiful piece of land that borders Arlington National Cemetery, and there are sections of the post that just has stunning views of D.C., like the one you see Uh, on your screen. Now, if you're playing uh, military installation Trivial Pursuit, maybe you'll want to know uh, some of the following about Fort Myers history. Oroville Wright flew the first aircraft on a military installation in 1908 on what is now called Wright Field, which is located on Fort Myers. The National Weather Service originated there in 1870. The first radio telecommunications was broadcast from there in 1913. And to this day, the Army's ceremonial guard is stationed there. It is a beautiful, historic post. And although I've lived in this area for a total of 13 years since I was discharged from the Army in in two separate occasions, I have not been on Fort Myer since I left the Army in 1988. Why? Pastor Brian, do you think maybe I had a lifetime ban or something like that? Good chance he said, no, I just didn't have access. Over the years, Fort Myers became more restrictive, especially since 9-11, and unless you're in the military, or you have some business with the military, or you're accompanied by someone who does have access, you can't go on the base. The world of Fort Myers is inaccessible to most of us. Truth be known, there are a lot of places in our area that are inaccessible to most of us. Imagine what it would be like. Imagine what it would be like if the knowledge of God revealed through the Holy Scriptures was inaccessible. Today we're continuing our series looking back to move forward. In times of uncertainty and in times of challenge, we can draw powerful lessons and be encouraged by history, specifically We are learning from five pillars of the church who lived from 500 to 1500 AD. These giants of the faith, guided by Scripture and the Spirit, had a profound impact on the life of the church. And in this series, we're exploring the biblical framework that both guided and grounded them, and it should guide and ground us in our faith as well. John Wycliffe was born in England around 1300. Wycliffe is best known for inspiring the first full translation of the Bible into English. He believed that every person should be in possession of the Bible in their own language, and he saw how the work and the witness of the church had been corrupted when only a few could read the Scriptures. He argued strongly, (coughs) excuse me. He argued strongly for the priesthood of all believers and that the church was not just the visible pope and hierarchy, but all believers. Today, uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators, who named the organization after John Wycliffe, has been instrumental in translating the Bible in many, many, many languages, and their goal is to translate the Bible into every language by 2025. I can't imagine what my life would be like without access to read and study the Bible. And my guess is many of you can imagine that as well. And I must confess, as I pondered and studied this subject this week, my mind flashed back to a lot of the times when I was growing up and I would ride to church with my mom and dad and, and go to Sunday school and then go to worship, but then on the way back, leave my Bible somewhere in the car and maybe around the next Friday or Saturday try to find it or my mind flashed back to those days that slipped by without seriously pondering the message of the Bible. Access. It's one thing to not have it. It is another thing to have it and not use it. Let me say that again. Access, it's one thing to not have it, but it's another thing to have it and not use it. Here at Old Town Community Church, a commitment to the authority and the relevance of the Bible in our daily lives is one of our core values. The teaching of God's word permeates our life and mission and our work together. We believe that the Bible should shape the way that we believe and how we behave toward others. So let me invite you to, to turn or launch your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Now, if you're not familiar with 2 Timothy, don't worry. Uh, Just start at the back of the Bible, somewhere around the maps, and start thumbing forward. And you'll find 2 Timothy nestled in between uh, 1 Timothy, of course, and also the letter of Titus. Now, St. Paul is the author of both 1 and 2 Timothy, and he's writing as Timothy's mentor. Timothy was a young leader in the church, and we find Paul coaching him up on how to handle and deal with false teachers and their false teachings within the church. Second Timothy three verses fourteen through seventeen reads like this. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me as we continue? Word of God, speak, and we ask you to pour down like rain. Wash our eyes to see Your majesty. We want to be still and we want to know that You're in this place. Let us stay and rest in Your holiness. Word of God, speak to us this morning. Amen. Here's where I would like for us to travel this morning. I'd like for us to take a look at the nature of Scripture, the ultimate aim of Scripture, and then uh, what I've labeled for us just the churning work of Scripture. Paul probably didn't realize when he penned these words that he launched a debate about the nature of Scripture. Regrettably, these words have been used by some for centuries to fashion the Bible into more of a weapon than the living, breathing Word of God. Paul writes, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful, or at least that is what most translators have landed on. Well, what do I mean? Well, according to Walter Leefield, Professor Emeritus of New Testament at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, the grammar in the text is somewhat debatable. Most translations used add a second implied is. So, in other words, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. However... If you don't imply a second is, it could read all scripture, all excuse me, all God breathed scripture is also useful, which has a different scope of meaning. Now, most scholars tend to believe the text was just as we read, is accurate. But there is debate. Now, why am I getting into the weeds here? Simply this. As an illustration. Anytime we talk about the nature of Scripture, we need to do so with humility. Godly and good men and women have disagreed on matters of interpretation. This is why we embrace the classic statement by St. Augustine, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, freedom and liberty. In all things, love. So what does it mean that Scripture is God-breathed? The Greek word here is theonoustos, and we generally take that to mean that, God is, that Scripture is inspired, that it is God working through the writers to give us all the richness that God intended us to have. Now, this doesn't mean that the human writers who penned the Bible were simply mere writing utensils like uh, a, a, a pen or, or a pencil. No, no, no. They were, and their humanity and their experiences were intended to be part of the message. This is why Matthew, for example, when you look at the Gospels, there are four Gospels that tell about the life of Jesus, but Matthew is written primarily to a Jewish audience. And then we see in Luke, wow, there's some some similarities to Matthew, but there are some unique differences about Luke, and we understand that Luke is written to a Gentile. Audience in every single book of the Bible you can look and you can see the impact of the human Writer the author that God used to breathe scripture and to give us scripture we see and celebrate The breath of God working and weaving scripture together through their experiences according to N.T. Wright the early scripture early Christians believed as should we in my view that the Scriptures had the living breath of God in them. And they come alive when we allow the Holy Spirit to read our lives through Scripture. Let me give you an example here. Our area is also filled not only with military installations, our area is filled with with houses and other buildings that used to be the homes or workplaces of people throughout history. I, I remember... Uh, several years ago, going to the Smithsonian, and uh, down on on the ground floor there, there was an exhibit of the kitchen of Julia Childs. I've started cooking the last couple years, and it kind of fascinated me to see all her different pots and pans and everything in the kitchen. But you know what? Julia Childs wasn't in there making a souffle. I mean, it it would look nice, and I could see what she used, but the kitchen wasn't alive. There was nothing good coming out of that kitchen. Conversely, there is a house just a block away from here at the intersection of Prince and St. Asaph that is considered to be one of the least altered earliest of homes from the 18th century. It was in existence during the American Revolution. In 2017, the city bought the building but allowed the current tenant to remain living there for the rest of his life. It will be a museum one day, but until then, and since it was built, it is a house that has been occupied with living, breathing residents. And when you look at that house, you see there's there's a sense of of life and living that is going on in that home. Some people view the Bible like like a lifeless artifact or like a museum, as a dusty work of literature just for a time that is ancient and gone by. But as people of faith, we believe that it was not only given and inspired by God, God breathed, but we believe that it comes alive and it is living and active in our lives under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the overarching nature of the Bible is that of a living, breathing gift from God that has the enormous capacity to shape our lives as we apply what we learn. The ultimate aim of Scripture can be wonderfully experienced in this introduction to the letter of Hebrews. Listen to this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This introduction to the book of Hebrews reminds us that all of God's revelation, in other words, as he writes, as the the author writes, in the past God spoke through the prophets in various ways, that all of God's revelation, the way he spoke through the prophets, the way he worked through human through through His activity and human events, all led us and lead us to the revelation of Jesus, our Savior, the radiance of God's glory, His perfect representative to humankind. In summary, this reminds us that the Bible, as as wonderful as it is to us, as much as we cherish it, is not the fourth member of the Godhead. In other words, we don't say in the name of the the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Bible. No, no, no. It is not the fourth member of the Godhead. But it does point us to God's activity. It points us to Jesus. And as Paul writes, the Scriptures are able to make us wise to salvation through faith in Jesus. Reading the Bible does not save you, but it can lead you to the Savior. Like the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, you can read the Bible all day to someone, but unless the Spirit moves and the heart is yielded in faith, the person will not receive salvation. This is all the more reason to celebrate and to proclaim the central core message of the Bible. The Hebrew Scriptures point us to the coming of Jesus. The Gospels told us about His life, His ministry, His death, and His resurrection. The rest of the New Testament either points us back to Jesus or to the work of the church, His his body at work on the earth today, or they point us to His second coming. This is why we thank God For organizations like the American Bible Society and Wycliffe in their deep commitment to get the Bible in the hands of as many people around the world as possible so that they can learn about the Savior, so they can learn about Jesus, the ultimate aim of Scripture. I love how Paul describes the work of the Bible in the life of the disciple. It is useful, he says, For teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in all righteousness. This tells us, yes, we read the Bible, but critically important is how the Bible reads us. Let me say this again. Yes, we read the Bible, but critically important is how the Bible reads us in our lives. If we ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us as we read, we often find areas of our lives that need shoring up and that need work. At the end of the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus compared His words to a foundation. Whoever hears and practices His word, He says, that person's life is like a house that is built on a rock. The rains can come, but that house can stand. But whoever hears the words and doesn't put them in to practice their life Is built on sinking sand and will blow away the Word of God is a powerful foundation for our lives but it's interesting isn't it the only time we really think about foundations are when they're being laid or when something has gone terribly wrong that's usually the only time we think about foundation The rest of the time when we look at a house or some sort of building, we see the walls and the interior and the decor and all that comes up from the foundation. The words of Scripture not only provide the foundation, but its impact on our lives is visible. What does a disciple's life look like that has the Word of God as a foundation? This is going to sound incredibly familiar to you. But as we read and apply the message of the Bible, we live up toward God in worship and in Bible study. As we read and apply the message of the Bible, we, leave, we live in toward the community of faith. We pray for one another. We minister to one another. We serve one another. We support one another. We, we lock arms together and pursue the life of Christ and the mission of Christ together. As we apply the Word of God, we live out on mission toward the world that God loves, and we proclaim the salvation grace of Jesus in both word and deed, and we join God in what God is doing as God expands His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And and we live as people who are grounded and teachable, open to correction. We live as people grounded and teachable, open to correction god's correction through the word when my kids were in middle school jody and i took them on a hike on the appalachian trail and it was an intermediate trail it wasn't too difficult but there were sections of it that kind of dense, and it was kind of hard to to see the way and we came upon a few places and i couldn't quite tell which way to go there was a path that sort of opened up one way and there was a path that opened up the other way and a couple times my instinct was to go one way but then i would look ahead and i would see a mark on a tree like you see on the picture there and i knew the path was to go that way now the path on that picture is really clear what i wanted you to see was more the mark the one that we came upon the path wasn't near that clear but the mark was and so that mark told us that even though this is against your instincts you need to go that way way. Followers of Jesus approach Scripture with humility. We desire to be teachable, lifelong learners. We don't believe that we have every answer. And there are times in life when our instincts may say, go this way. But the Word of God says, no, here's the mark. Here's the path. I want you to go that way. It may seem like the unknown path to release a grudge and to forgive someone instead of being bitter. But the words from Scripture will tell you to forgive and to release that grudge. It may be an unknown path to love someone who has a completely different value system than you do. But the Bible will lead you on the path to love always, even someone who is unlovely and hostile towards you. It may be the unknown path to exercise faith and trust God when your life experience may say, no, you usually go this way. But the unknown path, the word of the Bible, the trail marking is to take you that way. Go and follow it. It may be the unknown path to dedicate your financial resources to the work of God in the world. But the Bible says here, the trail is marked for you. You join in what I am doing in the world and you can trust me to provide for you. The unknown path for us and our instincts and our feelings may take us one way, but then we look and we see the Word of God taking us the other. And in faith, we must follow the trail, the path of righteousness that Scripture marks out for us. It's helpful as paul writes for correcting and rebuking and training us into the path of righteousness i'm also struck by how paul emphasizes putting the message of the bible into practice first he tells timothy that he can trust it because he has seen it put into practice from those he has known and it will make you mature absolutely we want the knowledge of god and we want to be spiritually mature but it's interesting Paul says that you read this book, you study this book, so that it makes you uh, wise in the ways and trained in the ways of righteousness and equipped for service, equipped to serve the purposes of God in this world. Your life is shaped by this book. Let me just give you one small example of what that looks like. A few of us joined a prayer call yesterday uh, with some missionaries from Lisbon Portugal uh, Portugal is uh, Lisbon is a place where we sent a mission team a few years ago uh, we hope to maybe send a team there in the future but it is one of the least evangelized countries in Western Europe and only one to two evangelized countries in Western Europe and only one to two percent it is believed of the population has a personal relationship with Jesus several missionaries were on the call, and uh, one of the missionaries, actually two of the missionaries were a couple. And the, the wife of the couple is facing a serious surgery next week. And she was asking for prayer, and she was talking about that surgery. And it was interesting. She said something, just, it just really stuck with me. She said, you know, I asked my doctor, and I asked the, the people at the hospital if I could have a semi-private room, that I could be in a room with someone else. And, you know, typically, when we go through a serious surgery, I would dare say nine out of ten of us would say, you know, I want a private room for my recovery. I want peace and quiet. And when she talked about this a little more, she just reminded us that sharing the gospel with people in Portugal is not easy. And that people in Portugal, in order for them to see the life of Jesus, they need to see the life of Jesus working in the lives of, of Christians in everyday ways. And so she was thinking, you know, maybe as a roommate sees how I recover from this surgery, I can bear witness to Jesus in my life. See, that is the churning work of Scripture. That is a life that is shaped by the message of the Bible, empowered by the Holy Spirit, illumined, by the Holy Spirit. It is the Bible reading the life of that missionary. Under the influence and the work of the Holy Spirit, the message of Scripture will churn and work in you so that you're equipped to be a blessing to others. And it all starts with access. That which you're holding in your hands is the gift of God's word, to you. In its heyday, the first colony inn in Nags Head, North Carolina, was the place to be. Families used to go there and vacation all the way since the early 1930s. Well, over the years, time had taken its toll on uh, the inn, and the encroaching seas threatened its very existence. And if you drive along Highway 12 in that area of North Carolina, you can see that there are some houses that have. Have, uh, that are falling into the ocean. Well, something radical had to be done if the inn was going to be saved. And so owners uh, bought the inn, and then through many, many different obstacles, they were given the permission to actually uh, divide the inn into three different sections and then very carefully uh, move it to stronger ground so that it could be secure. Now the inn is thriving and secure. On it's solid foundation but it had to make a move what about your life we've talked about access to scripture let me ask you do you have Jesus and his word as the foundation of your life are you accessing scripture and putting it into practice are you putting your hope and your trust in your dreams In the God who is revealed through Scripture. Access. You have it. My prayer is that you'll use it. Now, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's prepare our hearts to meet Him in communion this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, indeed, we give You thanks for the way that You had revealed Yourself through your word. Lord, from the very beginnings of creation all the way to reminding us that that you are going to put this world to right one day. And that you're going to redeem this world all the way from beginning to end. You are Alpha and Omega. You stand as God over the past, the present, and the future. And God, you give us your word so that we can know Jesus our savior the king of all creation and you give us your word so that through the holy spirit alive and working in us our lives can be shaped by the message of your word and lord we can bless others so god we thank you so much for those throughout the ages who have translated and interpreted Scriptures and given them to us so that we can have access to You through Jesus. Lord, thank You. And I pray that You would help each one of us to submit our lives to Your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to hear You whispering to us through the pages of Scripture. Help us to hear You shout to us through the pages of Of Scripture so that we can know Jesus fully and completely and serve him God we thank you for the many different ways that you speak to us in Scripture through encouragement through comfort through healing through conviction and the call to salvation or now as we celebrate the life of Jesus through the bread and the cup We pray your presence with us. We pray that you would help us to sense your presence and your call and your voice over us as we continue to commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.